My goal is to not wake up at 40 with the bitter realization that I wasted my life in a job I hate because I was forced to decide on a podcast topic in high school. <laughs> I realized I didn't have a spot to put podcast in and kind of panicked at the end and just kind of shoved it in. Right, right. I mean, honestly, it, it tracks. It, that, that makes sense, what you just said. Right. I'm like, at age 40, I'm like, why did we say call it the Disney desk? Why didn't we call it anything else? <laughs> I wanted to talk about football. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought for sure you'd, you'd try to, like, sing the theme song or something. But it doesn't have any lines. It's kind of just like, yeah, 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 pod, pod, pod. There are, li- there are words. Okay, wait, okay. There's certain a couple words. Certain seasons um, have, like, the full song. This is my stop. Got to get off. You haven't heard that one? You're standing on my neck. I know that line. That that one always comes. That's like the most common line. The earlier seasons have like full word, like their verses to it. And I think the later seasons where she just does the like, excuse me thing. Right. My, um, My other one was going to be yeah, due to budget cuts, we can't afford our trip to the observatory this year. So instead, your homework is going to be to find Orion's belt and write a short essay on why he f- has the need to make a podcast to feel like a man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love that character? <laughs> I love all the teachers. And I really, right? like, none of this works if all the teacher characters aren't exactly the way they Cartoonish? are. Cartoonish? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. Carter here. And I'm Sydney. And Sydney's birthday month continues on into the back half of the month. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know. We are uh, nearing the end, but this has been like a really fun month. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased, I, but this is fun. No, I really like what you've picked. It's a really like, I don't know. It's an oddball collection and a lot of stuff I've never gotten to experience before. Right. So it's kind of fun to like. Well, I guess I've seen Barbie a hundred times already. But right, like, right. <laughs> other than that, I've gotten to experience a lot of stuff I don't normally get to watch. Right. I never thought about it, but I I never thought about the fact that your birthday month is February. I guess it's a leap year this year, mm. but you get less birthday than everyone else. I get less birthday than everybody else. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, something about it is, is so fitting, but um, yeah, my birthday month, you know, feels very abbreviated, and it is. But that's okay. Right. Yes. But today we are talking about, we are talk. I'm trying to think of a way to crowbar what we just said into the topic. And I'm realizing there's just, there's just nothing there. We are talking <laughs> about another thing that's kind of a, I guess it's not a surprise because I can 100% understand why you love this. But right. I just didn't know you had as much of a relationship with it as you did. We are talking about the MTV series, Daria. We are talking about Daria today. Now, Daria tends to be like a deep cut for people. It's polarizing. Like, it's it's not polarizing, but it's like people have either never seen it ever or they're obsessed fans. They're like, it's not mm-hmm. like The Simpsons where people have like a passive relationship right. to it at all people either have For sheer culture osmosis you will get at least a little bit of simpsons in your life exactly right people are either diehard fans of daria or they are like what is this show like they've never seen it or heard of it right 
Right, which is, a, I feel like people know Daria as a character, but maybe don't know she had yeah, a show. Yeah, like people tend like, to, like, know what she they is. see the artwork and they're like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks familiar. And then, But I then mean, they've never seen it. Okay, this is a crazy comparison. But do you remember those, like, cartoon rabbits, like, uber minimalist? They were, like, pink and uh, yellow. And the, they were just basically OG memes where it's like, hey, you suck. Or oh like my god! Some kind of quippy. That thing. was like the two thousands. Like, um, it was yes. like the monkey, like Bobby Jack, and he would be like, "You're a loser," and that, and it would be on a t shirt, yeah. and like you, they sell it at like Claire's. Yes. Yeah. Stuff like that, like yeah, Spencer's. That like Spencer. Spencer's and hot, hot topic, topic for like a decade. Yeah, I feel like Daria falls into that space where people Without see it and they're question. like, oh, this is a meme, not, oh, this is a cartoon character who ran for five seasons. Right, exactly. And it's kind of, I think you made a good point. Like, I would argue that is really, because Daria is a spinoff of Beavis and Butthead, which is the exact same where it's like, you either watch this religiously and know all of the quotes. Right. Or you've just seen Beavis and Butthead and you're like, right, they're a thing. Right, that exists, and, yeah. And I'd argue that's the same for King of the Hill, which, like, you know, these are all kind of mm-hmm. connected, not directly, they but, are. like, they're all sister shows. Right. And, like, King of the Hill, despite running almost as long as this, like, running toe-in-toe with The Simpsons for years, right. like, doesn't have that level, you know, it has more of the, like, you either watch this and you loved it, or you're like, oh, yeah, that other oh, right. show. That show, yeah. That isn't Family mm-hmm. Guy, Bob's Burgers, or Simpsons. Right, Exactly. Well, I fall into the category of being absolutely obsessed with Daria. Um, and, and we will get into why. And like, as you just said, it's after watching it, you can kind of immediately be like, oh, I get it. I get the appeal yes. of, of what we're doing right. here. <laughs> yes, this was, it's exciting. This entire month has inexplicably been Carter's Never Seen because mm. despite being a huge acolyte for King of the Hill, like I think we've joked about like King of the Hill will get its own month. That's right. not like a... Yeah, yeah. That that show is important enough to us that we feel the need to like give it a throne. Mm-hmm. Like I've never gotten to watch this. This is the one sort of like thing from that sort of sphere that I never really got to experience before. Yeah, so I'm very excited to talk about this. Um, it's so interesting, like you know, and you kind of mentioned this in your like notes from the host this past week for those of you that are on our Patreon. But like, um, for we our friendship is almost a decade long. This. In the year 2024, we will have been out of high school for 10 years now. That is so wild. And yet there are still things that we, like, just don't know about each other. Right. Which I can't tell if that's a testament to me having the brain capacity of a Labrador retriever. Right. Or, like, it's good that you learn new things about people forever. Like, it's right. fun. <laughs> yes, um, yes. It is also just so funny because, like, our mantra when we first became friends... Because, like, we, we became friends, like, what, back half of senior year of Yeah, it was, like, the second semester. And, yes, independent film study or video production yeah. study. Um, and my quote in your yearbook was, it is, sometimes it is the friendships that are the shortest that stand the tallest. Yes, it is sometimes the shortest friendships that stand the tallest. And then you quoted it as John Green. Which is so God, funny. That is such a dated <laughs> meme. That is so yeah. dated. God, I co- I mean, look, I know you, the whole point of your books is there a time capsule, but I really, yeah, you, dated you really myself with that one. <laughs> Still haven't read a John Green book either. No, nope. which is the funny part. That's fine. You, you'll be okay. Yeah, but I, I like. I don't know if we can keep invoking it if we're a decades long friendship. Right at this point, yeah, it is dated. But yes, we got a lot to talk about today. But first. 
it is time for another Internet Minute. So for today's Internet Minute, I have story time for you all. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is an, an in-real-life so, minute. Yes. Oh, God. There's sunlight. It hurts. It hurts. My skin. Grass. I'm touching grass. Ah, my eyeballs. They're not even dilated and they hurt. <laughs> the grass feels like knives on my skin. <laughs> um, anyway, so I had to go to New York for a little bit of business um, and also the Lunar New Year Festival, which used to be my favorite holiday to, like... I'm very much a fan of, like, you know, celebratory holidays. Like, yes. I like regular New Year's. Lunar New Year is huge in New York. Ergo, I like Lunar New Year. Sort of a simple one-for-one right. sort of logic puzzle there. Yes. Um, but, yeah. So, I, you know, I've been in the city for a while, and it kind of hit me that since we'd started the podcast, I have not had a chance to go up to Times Square to see the basically only Disney store left in the country. I know, Right. Yeah, our beloved home Disney store closed. I feel like that was like sometime after, like they sort of made it through the major bulk of like shutdown and, and the pandemic and then mm-hmm. and then just died one day. Right. Yeah, no, it really was like, it was much less the pandemic and more Disney has decided that this is no longer a profitable avenue for them. I guess, um, yeah. There are still a couple throughout the country. There's still one in Lancaster. Um, but in terms of, like, the... In terms of the biggest one in the country, it's either in the parks or in Times Square. Mm. And, yeah, it's kind of been a bummer because, like, that was, like, a... I'd argue it's one of the most iconic things about Disney. The Disney right. store. Right. Everyone knows the Disney store. Yeah, it's a little like, piece of Disney smell. World, but, like, in your neighborhood. Right. It has an iconic look. It has an iconic smell. They all have, the ver- like, a very, very, very 90s sort of color palette. Exactly. Animatronics. Um, yeah, so I was like, yes, animatronics. This one, oh, that's interesting. Does this one have animatronics? No, it doesn't, come to think of it. Huh. But, yeah, so I went in, and, if it, like, I don't have too much to share here. It's more of just, like, an update. One, it is, like, that blast of nostalgia, because it still very much has that, like, sort of low-light, warm mm-hmm. colors, um, sort of, like, plush everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Like, every corner theatrical. is dedicated to a different part of Disney stuff. Yes, it's very theatrical. There's, like, Disney songs playing over. Inexplicably, mm-hmm. zippity doodahs playing as I come in. Right. Um, it's two floors. One, I really appreciated the Wish setup. I always do appreciate that no matter how the last film did financially... Which is funny, because we haven't talked about... Wish is actually might surpassing Kanto in terms of global box office just because it's done super well internationally. Yeah, it's basically matched or exceeded expectations in every country except the United States of America, which, again, is a testament to how just overwhelming YouTube culture is, but I digress. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I appreciate that, like, the first thing you come in is that display. This place is very topical. Like, I used to go all the time back when I went to school, and whatever the new movie is, it's already, like... If a new movie's coming out within the next three or four months, it's, like, plopped down, got its own display. Mm. So they have this giant little glowy star guy dangling from the ceiling. They have the wish balls. And they have basically every piece of merch that you can get in the United States. Even ones I hadn't seen before on the Disney Store website. Like, mm. they have these little star boys that you can put on your shoulder because they have Velcro. Oh. Um, the thing I really appreciate is, like, basically, if there's any corner of Disney you like, you really can get it. 
Oh, like, yeah. They have a whole Marvel section that is, like, lots of kids stuff, but also now, like, artisanal collectibles, like Captain Carter's shield, like a TVA, like Baton, like wow. sort of, uber, yeah, like they clearly understand now, like, yeah, there's a portion of our market that is adults, you know, they, a higher end sort of like cosplay, maybe not cosplay, eh, no, I'd say that cosplay level or like display for like a guy's man cave energy I see. Uh, okay. stuff. It's also fun because like they have... Basically, all of the princesses get a decent amount of respect. Like, there's an entire mm-hmm. wall of plushies that is just every single princess. And nice. all the characters from Encanto, because they don't really fall into princess. Right. But, um, which I really appreciate. It's also, like, where you get, like, if you want obscure stuff, it's always fun. Like, there's a Darkwing Duck plushie that was just prominent. Ooh. There was a Mickey Mouse plush, but specifically the Sorcerer's Apprentice one. Mm-hmm. Like, they have different themed ones that are interesting, too. Or, like, whatever, like, new branding exercise they're doing where it's like springtime characters or anniversary versions like they have all of that it is very funny they don't have physical media there in terms of like dvds though but i guess that was never the point of the disney store was it they used to like they used to sell that at the front like at the at checkout like you know yeah there there used to be but i i I still believe you know i guess it's just obsolete right or becoming of course have they also still have the big like display screen like but Mm. it gets its own little like cubby like it has like a nice little roof over it and benches it's not just a big screen in front of some plushies right right um i will say though man they really know they have you over a barrel in terms of um these sort of things that little wish plushy guy who I'd say is about as big as my hand and like my hand is like, I don't know, like seven, eight inches, mm. uh, 30 bucks. Oh, Every single one of the princess yeah. plushies, 30 bucks. Right. I do think they realized like there's a finite amount of places you can go for this stuff. So we gotcha. Right. You're here. You brought your kids in here. What what, what are you going to do? Not buy this? Right. Um. I will say it was funny. I did see my first Wish merch out in the wild. Like, I was walking on my way back to the train station. Some kid had a star backpack. Oh, really? And they were coming the opposite way, so they didn't get that from the store today. You know, I've been... I don't know if I've mentioned, but there's, like... Our local Target has a lot of Wish. Like, it has, like, a whole Wish display. Huh. Yeah. I... I really do. My conspiracy is they're going to pivot back into Wish stuff the minute it comes out on Disney Plus and see if, like, yeah. you know, maybe this will be like Encanto, where when you can watch it at home and, to quote the meme, you don't have some loud asshole yelling in your ear that it's bad. Um, right. Like, maybe that'll turn it around. <laughs> maybe, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, this was, like, a fun little excursion. And it did, like, it was simultaneously bittersweet and, like, nostalgic because I'm just like, man... It really sucks that there's only, like, a finite amount of places you can go for this now. And, right. like, it is so funny that they're rebranding Shop Disney, the Disney store, which is, like, their I online I was going to mention that, that, like, you know, it's, it's sort of a coincidence that we're talking about this this week. And I just saw it, I think, yesterday, the rebranding announcements for... So, for those of you that don't know, previously, like... The Dis- Disney's online retailer for all of their Disney products used to be called Sh- Shop Disney for the longest time. They were calling mm-hmm. it Shop Disney, which is sort of counterintuitive. Like, I don't quite understand why they, why it was like that when it's always been called like the Disney store. Like the physical brick and mortar stores were called the Disney store 
why did why was there not an accompanying website also called the Disney Store? Why did they call it Shop Disney? I almost certainly like one or two people overthought it in yeah. like production meetings or like you know sort of like whatever their OG web planning uh, meetings right. were. Right. So now it's like now that there really are no more Disney stores except for like the literally one or two that exist that the the two that exist. Uh, now that they're sort of obsolete, suddenly now the website is has been rebranded officially to Disney Store. <laughs> yeah, so now on social on all of their social medias and, and the website, it's all called DisneyStore.com. Yeah, it's it's almost like they know, right? It's almost like they right. know they should have like. I do feel like while some companies like Best Buy are just doubling and tripling down on like no more physical, no more brick and mortar, we're done, done mm-hmm. though. It feels like the other half in like I guess for lack of a better word, smarter companies seem to be understanding <laughs> right. like oh, we might have bet on the wrong horse here, and like one, it's that rebranding's clearly going for like a nostalgia push, but I would argue it's also like can this just be a sign that you've learned your lesson or are at least going to try to bring back. I mean, I guess it's tough, though, because it's like, where do you put Disney stores? In malls. Well, there's no right, malls Right, and malls kind of, Because, yeah. again... And, yeah, I guess I'm two-faced about it, because, again, I'm, like, I'm the one who's railing against car culture and, like, strip mall culture, and it's like, you know, we... You know, y'all treated this like a gold rush, and now we're stuck with all this concrete. But right. at the same time, I'm like... But for something pleasant, like, for... The, the Disney store is one of the things I would make an exception for, where I'm like... You know, again, physical stores, physical media, that stuff matters. And it's like, it sucks that, you know, they seem to be at least quietly acknowledging, like, there was some magic there. Because, mm. again, even though, like, I'm now, like, six years older and going through this store, I'm like, man, this is still magical. This oh, is yeah. Still so charming. Those pictures that you showed me. And um, I think I'm going to post those um, for free access- accessibility on the Patreon. Right. Yeah, we do do a lot of, like, pictures and, like, videos. We just never know where to put them. But, yeah, I, I'll probably, yeah, I'll send you over more so mm-hmm. um, our audience can see what we're talking about. Yeah, because um, you got some really good ones. Um, so those will be on our Patreon to view for free if you want to go see that. Right. And, Sydney, what do you want to talk about this week for Internet Minute? Well, uh, this past weekend we... We watched uh, Super Bowl 58. Are we on? What, what number are we on? I have no idea. I kind of lost track I of that. I can't read number Roman numerals past a certain digit. <laughs> right. So I'm it, just it, out of luck. They made Also, then they made it 50 for the 50th, just the number 50, and that threw me off. And now I know. Oh. Especially because the logos just suck now. Like, they yeah. used to do, like, really fun logos for each one. And now they just do, like, the same generic text font with the trophy and, like, sometimes a color swap. Right, right. But anyway. It used to be a proper nation. I know. We used to be kings. Um, anyway, this weekend was the Super Bowl. And, of course, with the Super Bowl comes uh, Super Bowl ads. First of all, anything you want to say about the game? No. It was kind of a boring game, I'll be uh, honest. Um, yeah, well... You know what's annoying? I fully was prepared to be like, all right, everyone get on Discord. We're playing Discord games for the fourth quarter because this sucks. 
And then, right. of course, they have to all at least try in the in fourth the, quarter. I'm like, yeah. dang it, now it's gotten interesting. Right. But it's like, now legacies are on the line here. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I didn't get what I wanted, you know, in terms of uh, the outcome of the actual game itself. But, hey, here we are. Again, my dream was... Brock Purdy throws three interceptions and gets benched for Sam Darnold, the mononucleosis kid. You've seen that graphic, right? The Jets drafted him third, and then in his second year, or maybe it was his first year, uh, he got mono, and there's just a graphic of him, like, pointing out the camera, and it's out indefinitely, mononucleosis. And it's like, this is the most insane graphic we've ever seen in a sporting event. And it's so Jets that this happened to them. Yes. It's, first of all, like, not to get on a football talk, but it's like, why, like, so many people just hate Brock Purdy. Uh, he kind of for he no reason. And confuses the American is it, people. Is it just because his face is kind of punchable? Like, that's that's really what I, what I gather from, his, like, the worst of his criticism is that people, like, I don't know what, think he's just a loser guy? <laughs> like, that's kind of, it. It's like... I mean, it's a lot of things, but I think the main thing is just it's very frustrating to have this incredible, like, sports car that is the 49ers offense mm. driven by some guy named Steve. Someone who just like got his license. Dale Earnhardt or Danica Patrick. Right, exactly. It's yeah, like, okay. why can't you just get a real quarterback? Can you talk Tom Brady into coming out of retirement? Could yeah. you trade for someone? I mean, they tried to do that. They traded up to get Trey Lance, but then they're like, oh, Trey Lance kind of needs more time to learn how to be an NFL quarterback. And they're like, well, we don't have time for that. So you go in the bin. Go I don't know bin. about y'all, but like, I, I, I can't afford the 49ers to be any better than they are. Right. I mean, that's the, <laughs> like, that's the rub, though. It's like, that's the consequence. You have like one of the best offensive linemen, two of the best wide receivers, one of the best tight end and the best running back. The consequence of that is you're just going to have some guy named Brock running it all. Right. Exactly. And we'll be constantly screaming about like, no, no, he is actually good. And it's like, yeah, he's good because everyone else is good. Come on. Right. Now. Yeah. He's on a good team. The ultimate consequence of like the most team sport in the world getting boiled down to the guy who plays quarterback. Right. Right. Exactly. Anyway, enough about sports. Uh, there was a Disney ad. There were some interesting ads overall and way yes. too many ads about Jesus. What is this? AI art. It was AI art too, which was the most like foolish part. Because like, look, I know you have a complicated relationship with Catholicism and Christianity, Sydney. I do. You can't at least say they've like created a lot of good art. And the fact that you're using AI art instead is like right. That's that's like the only somehow like why are we using AI art? I don't know. But like it's it's just like a weird like. Please stop reminding me how conservative football is as a right as a sport. It's so funny that the Taylor Swift stuff, the culture war stuff has pivoted to like, oh, you Dems and you Libs and your Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm like, the Kansas City Chiefs of all team, the team from Missouri whose like Who logo has and a racist is name. Racist. Yeah. Right. And it have only gotten away with it because there was a team called the Redskins. For right, about who were worse decades, than them. Like six decades? Yeah. Right, Ugh. exactly. It's just so funny. It's so funny, and it's just so emblematic of, like, yeah. you know, if Republicans could be even, like, 10% more normal, and right. not weird, not, they would win the suburbs every time. Right, right? Because they can't exactly. help but be weird now. They're nope. just going to keep losing. Nope. 
God, how is this becoming our football? Well, it fits I don't Daria. know. You know what? This is all Daria. Content. Yeah. Like, this you can't is say this like, fit Daria's energy. It, it does. Be cynical against the machine. Um, everybody's a normie except for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're supposed to be talking about Disney. Disney had an ad. I swear they did. Yes. Kind of a I forgettable one. I thought they would have had more. Yes. So Deadpool 3 is coming to... is. I feel so bad for Marvel because they finally did what everyone asked. They're mm-hmm. like, one movie this year. That's it. Yeah. And then Sony has Madam Web, which is already right. out. People are losing their minds. Right. Uh, Venom 3 and Craven the Hunter. And they're just like, truly, just Leroy Jenkins and Jenkins in it. Just charging <laughs> in like like bombs on their chest, just mm-hmm. ready to blow the whole thing genre up. But anyway, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about Deadpool as a character? I don't really care about it. Like, I am not a raunchy gal. I, I have never, I've never, well, all right, control your facial expressions there, partner. Um, not, not that I'm not a raunchy gal myself, but, like, I've never wanted my media to be very raunchy. I don't know why. It's just one of the places where like I myself am a little more conservative where it's like I've never enjoyed raunchy humor. I've never enjoyed like I don't know anything with like Jonah Hill in it or <laughs> or like uh what's his name Seth Rogen or like I I I've never liked um I I don't know what I'm trying to describe here, but like Deadpool has never appealed to me. Um, I get it. I get the appeal of Deadpool. I get why people like it. Um, but like, I've just never, I've never seen one and I have no desire to. Right. You say you're not a raunchy person, even though I've heard you use the phrase broad more than once. Um, what does that have to do with yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like something, a, like a burlesque perform. Like if so burlesque performers are raunchy and they use the phrase broad. Okay. I don't know. What the fuck are we arguing about here? I feel like we've <laughs> no. just been talking in circles for an hour now. We have been. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's interesting because like, I have, I've seen the movies. I think they're both pretty good. But at the same time, it's like the raunchiness is the problem for me because it's like the part of Deadpool that's fun isn't the fact that he's violent and swears and like talks about, you know, having a hoo-ha up the yee-haw. It's because right. he can talk to the audience. Like, the fun part is he knows he's a cartoon, like, he's yeah. a character. Mm-hmm. And for me, it very much disappoints me that, like, the stuff they do with that is almost purely aesthetic or, like, mm-hmm. just, like, punchlines and not, like, why isn't he rewriting the movie on the fly? Why isn't he, like... Why isn't he know? doing a She-Hulk? Why isn't he talking to his editors? Right, exactly. Like, that would be way more fun for me. Mm. Like, one of the bits I like from the video game that kind of got, for- got forgotten is... Like, one of the levels just becomes, like, a crappy sort of, like, Mario knockoff. Because it's like, yeah, you blew the budget on the last three levels. This is the best we could do for this one. Mm. Like, this is all we could afford. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, my idea for an MCU Deadpool was he's just fighting. The antagonist is Kevin Feige, and it's just him fighting to get his own movie, the whole movie. And and call it, especially just because I like the name Deadpool Kills the MCU. Like, I think that's a part of it. The title is just so whatever. It's called Deadpool and Wolverine, which I'm just like, great. God, that is such a like, yeah, that's such a like branding we get marketing it. decision title. Yeah. Like, okay. Gee, I wonder what this and will like, be about. Yeah. Right. Mm. Are you like, have you heard any of the rumblings about the plot? No, because I'm kind of uninterested. Yeah. 
Yeah, short version is he gets scooped up by the TVA and like nice. it's kind of like a greatest hits of the um like Fox universe. So like all the crap that got buried from the Fox years coming back. I see. And like there's lots of scuttlebutt about like who will show up and when, but I'm like, okay, that's not a terrible idea for a movie. And I like that the trailer frames it as like, oh, Deadpool, you can be, because you, it seems like they're at least acknowledging that he knows he's a movie character and that's why he's special to the TVA. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of something. But yeah, I just, I think it's just because it bumps me out because again, you and me were big Marvels people. Right. Like we were super into the Marvels. Mm -hmm. And seeing all these people finally watch it on Disney Plus, it's the number one film on Disney Plus. And it's just, it it was so, we predicted it where it's like, everyone's like, oh, this is actually good. Why didn't anyone tell me it was good? And it's like, we did. We the problem did. is the stupid YouTube algorithm pushed like right. 12 Brie Larson for some reason videos right. ahead of us. Right, exactly. And it's such a bummer that it's like, this is going to make a billion dollars because Hugh Jackman's back and it's got the swearing mm-hmm. and everyone's going to be like, the Marvel Universe is saved. And it's like, three other things saved the Marvel Universe before this. Right, right, exactly. Um, in terms of other trailers, we did finally get the Wicked trailer, which isn't Disney, but it feels adjacent uh, to Disney. Oh, yeah, we, we got the Wicked trailer and collectively, like, shrugged of, like, a, huh. Went, all right. Okay. What's so funny is, um, remember when Dear Evan Hansen, they got um, Ben Platt to come back to uh, play the character in the movie, even though yeah. he is, uh, like, very old at this point? Okay. Um, so the same producer for that movie, who is his dad, again, he's a Nepo baby, but, like, a talented Nepo baby, which bums me out. Um, Mark Platt, his dad, he's producing this, too. And he did the exact same thing. Like, I'm like, why did you cast, like, 30 and 40-year-olds for high school role? Like, college-age yeah. kids. Right. The joke is, like, the idea is they're going to university for the first year. And I love people defending it as, like, well, uh, you know, in you know, and Dina Menzel was, like, 35 when she was on stage and it's like that's the funny thing about a stage right far away from me right exactly i can't tell how old you are it was the same yeah right she's also like yes i know she looks old but she's also yeah she's also very tiny she's (laughs) very far away on a stage right whereas this it's like the camera's right in their face and i'm just like oh my god i can't believe i cannot believe this Mm -hmm. and like i don't know it's also just i i the Wicked, I would love to do an episode on Wicked someday just because the history of that thing is insane in terms of, like, Universal agreed to, like, finance the stage show because they were like, oh, yeah, it'll be on Broadway for, like, a year. You know, we'll get some, you know, we'll get some tourist bucks and then we'll make a movie. And then it becomes, like, one of the three biggest Broadway shows to ever exist. Right, it's exactly. Like that Chicago, Lion King, and Phantom, which is finally off. So it's one of the last, like, three of the four titans that have, mm-hmm. like, held the Broadway industry up. Right. And they're like, well, shit. <laughs> and they've just been sitting on it and tinkering with it and honestly so many of the creative decisions feel like somebody who you know one executive who worked on it for like 15 years is like no 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 i we are not having 18 year olds in these roles i've worked on this for a decade of my life we are getting big names that we can put on the posters or the fact that it got split into two movies i don't know if they're still doing that but that was the plan going like going into filming which feels like, no, this is a franchise. This is not one movie. We need to make franchise money from this. So we are doing more than one. Right, right. Um, did we talk about the Disney ad yet? What, what was the actual Disney ad? Is that how insignificant it was? It was Deadpool. 
That's the only one they did. No, no. There was an ad that had, like, all these, like, Disney quotes. <gasps> oh, yes. There was an ad for Disney Plus that was, okay. like, searching up different catchphrases. Yeah, it was, stuff. like, a bunch of, like, a collection of, and it just, it was, like, written in, like, script, like, like to look like a film script. And it was just, like, yes. a cycle of, like, you know, Hakuna Matata and um, On Your Left and, like, a bunch of memorable quotes love you 3000 love you 3000 bippy boo super califragilistic it's a disturbing that i remember this many of them yeah right um, yeah they put all the hits on there and yeah and mostly people just noticed it because it ended with are you ready for it and it's like oh right because they have the eras tour now and honestly if they didn't do that, that an, it didn't just turn into an ad specifically is for that an eras tour thing Tay-tay. uh yeah that's one of her songs it is i, I don't know. know if she plays that at the eras tour though I don't know. I didn't. What I don't know what the that? set list was. I don't really know that much about Taylor Are Swift. Are you ready for it? Do do do. It was a big radio play. I don't know that one. That oh, was okay. From, that was from Bad Reputation, the album where oh, everyone hated her for a bit, and then Did they? everyone then. That was like the two album stretch where people were really down on Taylor. That yeah, and I guess, that lover, but... people were just like, "Boo, you stink." Kanye forever, and then Kanye, uh, you know, does Kanye it's like, stuff, and the whole thing pivots. I remember all that, not to talk about Taylor, but like, she recently, like when when she interviewed for like Time Magazine as like the Person of the Year or whatever, she was like, "Oh, my career was over," and I was like, "Girl, no, you're no, you, no, it wasn't. <laughs> like you're right. Y- you can't have you like. There's no such thing as being canceled, quote unquote." And also being elected the person of the year in Time Magazine in the same year. That all happened right. in the same year. So it was like, no, you weren't fucking canceled. I mean, canceled. you made a comeback in terms of reputation and popularity, but it's like you, you weren't did, going away. You were like, still making stuff. You You're weren't still making going money. away. Like, not, yeah, like, I, I don't downplay that that was a traumatic time for her, but, like, girl, she's never as much of a victim as she portrays herself, and that will always be her biggest criticism. <laughs> It is really weird, like, the floodgates between the Super Bowl and her announcing a new album on the Grammys. Again, acknowledging what we've been saying, that award shows are just trade shows that are meant to sell you things. At least she's honest about it. Everyone immediately turns on her. Like, we're getting hyper-fixated on her use of a jet, even though I'm like, what's she supposed to... She can't go to the airport. Right, yeah. Like, imagine, like, again... Even pre nine eleven, she couldn't go to an airport without causing. I don't know. It, it, that's just a weird hang up I have. But yeah, that was a weird little ad. If it wasn't like advertising a specific thing, I would have been like, ah, it's a little charming ad for Disney Plus. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. All right, folks. Welcome to Lawndale High School. Yes. In um, a place called Lawndale USA I don't know you know it's so interesting Lawndale is sort of like in in every town they kind of Mm -hmm. allude to it being on the east coast yes even though I actually have a quote for this they don't show we never really see like seasons like we don't necessarily there's a movie that takes place in the summertime but we don't we don't really see like seasonal changes like we don't necessarily see mm. snowfall or anything like that and except for the episodes where they like go skiing like there's a couple episodes that where they like go on a trip and it's like there's snow in the mountains or something like that um right, but right. 
like, they never really specify where Lawndale is in terms of, like, we just know it's in the United States, and they kind of allude to it being, like, in a sort of, like, northeastern, maybe central eastern state. Yes. Um, Co-creator Glenn Eichel described the otherwise unspecific locale as a mid-Atlantic suburb outside somewhere in, like, Baltimore or Washington, D.C. They could have lived in Pennsylvania near the main line, though, which is kind of where we live, which is why I was like, God, so much of this feels... I, I, I want to take this opportunity. We've used the phrase well-observed before, and I feel like right. we should probably explain what we mean by that. At least for right. me. When I say well-observed, I guess I mean in the sense of, like, it is a writer and, like, a creative team specifically capturing a moment or time in a way that has, like, so much detail and attention and care mm-hmm. that you can tell they either experienced it or fully understood it. Um, yes, um, I always think of, there's a famous Broadway sort of growing staple called Michael in the Bathroom, which is just this weird little high school song about a kid at a high school party who's having a bad time and hiding in the bathroom. And someone described that as well-observed because it's like, you didn't know you wanted to see this depicted. Right. They capture such a specific, like, yeah. like emotion we all understand and empathize Something with. Something about it becomes universal, even if it's never yes. an experience you directly had. Yeah. So, right. yeah, I always felt that Lawndale was, like, in New Jersey. Because, mm. like, right. New Jersey is kind of the best, like, sort of middle of the road in terms of, like, the state doesn't really have a culture. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is... It invokes such a... Uh, God, sorry, New Jersey. A lot of our friends are from New Jersey. Yeah, I'm sorry, whatever. guys. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's... Uh, that's a perfect way... Of, that's, like, a perfect location because it really yeah. is, like... If Beavis and Butthead was sort of about, like, the middle of nowhere, like, you know, just, like, the dead, you know, sort of, like, not rust belt, like, sand belt. It's just sort of, like, Like, every America. Like, it's... Yeah, this is suburbs defined. Right, right. Um, Anyway, yes. So, speaking of Beavis and Butthead, um, I want to get into, like, the brief history of Daria. Because it's kind of a, like... It's, Daria is sort of like, you know, it didn't used to exist, and then one day it existed. (laughs) Like, it sort of appears kind of like out of thin air. But um, all of this sort of begins, actually, some of our favorite shows that we've talked about all begin with Mike Judge, um, who is an animation uh, creator of some of our favorite shows, like this one, Beavis and Butthead, and King of the Hill. So... Both Daria and King of the Hill begin with Beavis and Butthead. Uh, Hank Hill and Daria are characters that first were seen as, like, guest, you know, guest spots. Like, uh, I don't know what to call it, but just, like, sort of guest features, like, added on characters for, like, a single episode or maybe two episodes on Beavis and Butthead, which Mm -hmm. highlights something that Mike Judge... Cap, like, that Mike Judge does particularly well. I've always described King of the Hill as being, like, um, what is it? Like, um, ensemble writing 101 of, like, it's it's yes. a master class in ensemble writing. It understands that to, like, the key to writing a good character is putting it up against contrasting characters. Right. Um, the, the key to, like, having a strong character... And, and continuing to, like, define all of the lines and curves of this character's personality um, is to, like, put it up against characters that are, like, 
that either complement it super well or con- contrast with it in extreme ways. So for two characters who are idiots, like Beavis and Butthead, I mean, their names pretty much explain it all. They are gross, loud teenage boys um, who are kind of hideously drawn. Um, they're repulsive. <laughs> they're repulsive. They're um, they're loud and obnoxious, and they have teenage boy sense of humor, and they think that like fart jokes and like right. um, kind of like lightly sexual jokes are funny. But neither of them has any real world experience of themselves. Like they are just the quintessential like dighead teen right. boys and right. they're the only people who can be happy in a dead-end place like this because they are yes, intelligent enough they to have, realize life has kind of screwed them over right that's exactly what it is um so and and to add to that they're in the 90s which like sort of adds its own layer of culture over top of like stupid teenage boys <laughs> right like what a great time to just be brain dead and yes. like only absorb MTV because it's like, oh, history's over. We've kind of all peaked. There's nowhere to really go from here. Right. Well, it doesn't bother them because their only culture is occasionally chiming in on an MTV music video. Exactly. Which I remember when they brought it because most of my Beavs and Butthead experience is the 2011 remake and they have to show oh. like Jersey Shore and stuff because it's like there's not that many music videos. No, right. Like, there's not right. a lot for them to comment on. Right. So, you know, we've got Beavis and Butthead, and they're kind of like the perfect, you know, testing grounds for these other characters, who it's like, for for both of them, for, for both Hank Hill and Daria, they started as just like, okay, what would be a, what would, what would be a funny added-on character to, like, throw in the mix with Beavis and Butthead? Would, would, would be this, like, sort of middle-aged, like, conservative, easily I guess you could say. Yeah, easily flustered, um very buttoned up um <laughs> white man in sort Hank of like Hill post war conservative right exactly um Hank Hill is kind of the perfect foil i guess you could say to a beavis and butthead of being like what is wrong the what's the quote that always gets thrown thrown around on uh king of the hill that boy ain't right boy ain't it's, right yeah <laughs> that's the perfect one Yes. And, you know, the contrast works so well that somebody says, hey, this character should have its own show. Something about right. this guy is funny, is kind of iconic, C- could be even funnier if we sort of right. Actually cranked make it him up. Right, character and... Yeah, yeah. and added and more like judge grew up dummies around and, him. Yeah. Right. And, like, that's the well-observed thing. It's like, Exactly. He talks about his experiences in Texas that define so many of his characters, and well-observed is being, like all right, we create one character and then we flesh out all of these like very specific archetypes for them to bounce off of. And it's like, right. yeah, that's how you make characters feel real. Like, you know, basically mm-hmm. giving them, like just just making them feel real by having other real people around them. Exactly. Or people like creating archetypes from your memories. Right. Um, my famous one of that is Boomhauer. Apparently his voice pattern was inspired by someone who would call in and complain about I heard that head. And just be like, ah, and it would be like every fifth oh, word. Oh, yeah, no, dang on. Like, yeah. I'll kick your ass. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, Beavis and Butthead is like really picking up steam um, in the late 90s. And um, they decide, hey, like, what well, we should introduce Beavis and Butthead to some like females. Like, what if we got right. some female characters to counteract? Because um, again, what. what 
what better contrast to these two stupid boys than just the presence of girls. Of a woman. Of Yeah. <laughs> and among those couple girls um, was Daria. And she had, like, her design in her episodes of Beavis and Butthead are, like, she's extremely crude looking. I mean, like, but, like, that was kind of, like, the design of Beavis and Butthead. Everything was kind mm. of, it was sort of South Parky, where it, like, kind yeah. of cut and pasty looking, but, like, really kind yeah. of stick figure It feels like we were not given time to finish this. It, truly, yeah. Um, like, we just went with the rough draft of everything that we drew up. And, um, you know, so she was introduced and not very fleshed out. Um, but she, she was essentially the same sort of like dry, um, judgmental <laughs> presence, at least towards Beavis and Butthead when she was on the show. And when they decided that Beavis and Butthead was getting really, really popular and that there had to be some kind of like spinoff from this, they felt like, okay, well, why not have a female, a female point of view from this sort of group and, um, of the, of the characters that they had. It it seems the way that they describe it seems kind of like they picked from a hat. Like it it seemed like they weren't necessarily immediately inspired by anything specific from Dara. They were just like, all right, why not that one? Right. And and then just decided to like follow that down that path. So they go with Daria, and um, about like probably a year and a half later in 1997, um, they are ready to. Um, premiere this show about a teenage girl in suburbia in the 90s named Daria. Right. And it ends up, like, again, it's so arbitrary that it ends up being the perfect choice because if Beavis and Butthead are too dumb to realize, like, you know, the limitations of their social strata and geography, Daria is way too aware. And yes. And just answers it with nihilism. Exactly. Or she, detachment. She's like, and and there are... There's a couple quotes of her of being like, um, because, you know, there, as much as Daria sees through, and that's kind of her angle, is like her being able to see through everyone in her world, her parents, her siblings, her peers at school, her teachers, mm-hmm. she can see through everyone. There are just as many of those characters who kind of see through her, who kind right. of see that- her attitude as a protective armor. And she even talks about that of being like, this existence is painful and like I get by, by sort of like counting everybody out first. Right. I think that was my like one hesitancy going into this show. It's like how self-aware would it be on that front? Because like this is like pinnacle 90s in terms of like a little grunge, a little jaded, a little like, oh man, these Clintons. Uh, yes like, you know history is over what do we have to contribute right like you know it, you know the two spectrums of 90s art are like this and um reality bites that's it um or the other side of like you know uh, david fincher's fight club which is like oh yeah these disaffected white boys are just going to become skinheads because <laughs> right exactly they don't have any other you know that's because they don't have emotional depth to not do that Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and like, I guess I was worried because Reality Bites always annoys me because I'm like, these characters are just very annoying and like so melodramatic, even though their lives are all objectively kind of fine and everything's right. gotten worse since then. Whereas like, I appreciate that Daria's whole thing is, yeah, she gets like, everyone kind of calls her out on it and right. like, or at least acknowledges it and understands why she does it. Honestly, like 
to jump around in the episodes because Sydney gave me an extensive list of like mm-hmm. the must watch episodes. The final episode of the series is straight up her parents finally being like, yeah, we felt bad for you growing up because we knew like we kind of know. Raising you Daria. was hard. We kind of know. <laughs> yeah, raising you was hard, but that's, you know, that's a consequence that's of being it. smart. That's a consequence of like kind of not being able to just go with the flow. Right. And like be like your sister who is like the embodiment of this suburban culture where it's mm-hmm. like she'll probably marry a businessman and have a couple kids and mm-hmm. kind of just live her life generally happy and content. Right. Like, one of my favorite lines from the whole series is in the first episode the like uh, like wackadoo history teacher who's got like a bug eye and it's just constantly growling <laughs> and yelling. Truly just it's so crazy Mike Judge didn't work on this because his, like, right, his energy it? is all over it. Um, he has a comment, too, like, the football. Uh, um, who's their friend who's quarterback? Kevin. Kevin. He, he's yeah, a QB. Kevin is, yeah, he's just giving some completely oh, Mr. wrong Mr. DiMartino, right. Yeah, and DiMartino has a comment, like, just promise me you'll come visit me after you win a Heisman <laughs> Trophy and then run a string of used car dealerships. Right. And it's like... <laughs> If you want one, like, if you want to define this location, this geography, it's that. Like, you know, there's a finite ceiling for 99% of the, you know, high schoolers and teenagers here. But that's okay because for them, this is peak of life. This is, like, the best times of their lives. High school, right. Late high school and college. And then everything else is just continuing on. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, what's so fascinating about this show, like, this is... The, the ensemble here is huge. There is a very long so list characters. of characters that all are, like, equally a part of the show. There's, like, none of these characters mm. are just, like, oh, you see them for, like, a single episode. It's, like, no, this huge ensemble, you kind of get a taste of each one of them, like, in, if not every episode, like, fully immersed in, like, in every single season. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm always, like, um, fangirling over voice actors, but it's, like, the pool of talent here is actually very tiny. And this is just a small handful of performers voicing like five characters each. As I was like going through the IMDP page, I was actually like, there's no way Wendy Hoops voiced that many characters who are all so different. Right, exactly. And I also appreciate that like ensemble element where it's like, yeah, it's important that you get everyone's opinion on every whatever the issue of the episode is. It's very similar to King of the Hill. That's why you have the scenes in mm-hmm. King of the Hill where they're all drinking beer outside and Hank's like, I just don't understand this uh, tarot card reading. And then they bounce off. Um, you know, everyone gives their opinion. Dale right. says something insane. Boomhauer gives some actually insightful thing that only they right. understand. Right, exactly. And Bill is just sad. Like, you need, <laughs> you know, again, if this series is about, like, sort of the mundanities of the 90s and, like, issues like, oh, a school's selling out by giving all these sponsorships to a soda company. Or, mm-hmm. oh, a loud pair of radio hosts has come to town. Um, like, it's important to see everyone's opinion and then see how Daria bounces off that or reacts to it. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, sh- should we just, like, dive into some episodes? You know, I gave you a list of, like, uh, they're a combination of like well well most of the lists that I gave you are like my absolute favorite episodes. Some of them yes. I, again I just thought like these are like the most important of the of the season. But um I definitely want to know like what you thought about those and um some any other episodes that like stood out to you. Yeah. 
So I tried to watch as much of this as I could. I also referenced um, Entertainment Weekly's um, list a lot. In terms of, like, there... Oh, my God, where do you even start? But, like, from the first season, an episode that I really, really love from... I think it was season two. It's an episode where she um, is given a write... She's told to, like, write a short story. Yes. Like... I think, again, if you want to understand why this has staying power over some of the other stuff from the 90s, you know, that disinfected energy, mm-hmm. it's this. Because, again, it fundamentally understands that, like, no, Daria's super empathetic. She's not detached because she doesn't care about these people. She's just detached because, like, you know, she she doesn't fit in in this world. Isn't she wishes the, she could. Isn't the episode called Cafe Disaffecto? Yes. Oh, shit, it is. I forgot <laughs> But, like, yeah. And, like, she imagines, like, their future. And, yeah, she's a writer. She got out. She gets to be one of the two or three who get out of this high school. Right. And, like, but everyone else is still happy. Everyone else is still content. And she's happy with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that just is such an emotional, like, the level of sentimentality in the show just really makes me appreciate it. Um, Yeah. Or another episode, or, like, Fizz Ed. The fact that, like, I love. Fizz Ed is one of my favorite episodes. Yes. So basically, there's budget cuts. They can't afford anything for the school. So the soda company basically is trying to get them to basically become a soda sales company. It's not just you have ads <laughs> everywhere and the cheerleaders have to wear soda cans. Again, that like butthead King of the Hill sort of like, okay, this could... <laughs> taking an idea that could actually happen in the real world and just taking it to its logical extreme. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, this could still kind of happen. It just maybe wouldn't be this heightened. Um, right. Like the fact that Daria, it's like, I know I have to do something. But I right. I really don't want it. I don't want my, I don't want my peers to be mad at me for spoiling their fun. But, she, but on some level she has like respect for them. And like, I think that's what's so interesting about this episode is that, yeah, she, she spends all of her life like low key hating her peers and certainly mm-hmm. judging them into oblivion, but then like kind of believes that they have rights and believes that they are like sort of worthy of, of respect on some level. Right. She, yeah, she fundamentally wants to help them, even if she right. doesn't like relate to them in any way, shape or form. Right. Um, and yeah. And even just like, there's one little moment. It's one of the few times she breaks her monotone, even the musical episode, she never breaks monotone mm-hmm. where she gets like stage fright going in front of the superintendent where it's like, uh, Miss Daria, you're up. And she just goes, <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, they do such a good job flushing her out as a character where you're like, God, it's insane that this was like an arbitrary decision. Um, right, yeah. And wasn't just like the obvious choice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then, oh God, the running gag in that where like anytime, and like, again, I know it's it's probably not oh, right the, to keep comparing this to Do you drink soda, yes. Daria? <laughs> I love that you knew what I was about to say yeah. before I said it. Um, yeah, that's not the point. But again, in terms of like astute, like sort of social commentary, I know it's probably not right to keep comparing this to Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill just because, again, the creators were different. It, mm-hmm. it has, It's a spiritual sister, but not a literal production sister. Right. But like, yeah, that's like the kind of stuff you see, like, if there's one thing that sort of the Mike Judge patina is really good at is very simple, astute social commentary that, like, like it just understands sort of the pattern that people interact with. It understands, yeah. like, the sort of way, 
like small town politics work or like how adults try to talk down to children. You know, yeah, that's and that kind of you kind of walked me into like one of believe it or not, one of my favorite episodes, like two of these episodes on my list probably are like first and second of like if I had to rank mm. these totally. The first one being Arts and Crass. Um yes. is like peak Daria. I I think Honestly, like there, there are so many reasons it, it's a beautiful episode. Daria and Jane like reluctantly submit this painting, um, where they kind of give like sort of um, an expose type art piece about anorexia or, or bulimia. They yes. they 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 draw this painting of this of this beautiful girl and then they write a poem underneath it about her like throwing up dinner, or, like talking about being yeah. bulimic. It's like she sticks her hand her. Yeah, she vomits up dinner. dinner. Yeah, something like that. And it's like her school wants to insist on wanting to use it, but wants her to like change the message to something more positive, which would kind of pervert the entire thing. And they decide to like um, vandalize, like they submit it without the girl's permission. They go in and vandalize the piece. It's a good episode. I think I love it most because Helen Morgendorfer absolutely like kicks the door down. And yes. uh, just, like, lays down the law. Like, in one phone right. conversation, I think I really enjoy that this show, even though it's from Daria's point of view and everyone from her point of view is annoying, it shows everyone as kind of being, like, a hero in what they are good at. Yes, exactly. And, like, again, it, it, what's interesting about this show is it has, like, compared to King of the Hill, it has the dynamic of kids and adults. Like, we have the high school kids who are all very archetypal, like, very broad, very, like, sort of vapid. Even their, like, voice delivery is cartoonishly vapid. (laughs) Like, the fashion club, like, half of them sound like they've taken one too many Xanaxes. Yes. Um, Whereas, like, the adults are also very heightened and campy, but they are, like, they get to be more fleshed out and you understand their politics. Like, again, the politics of it, of, like, the teachers objectively know Daria's art is good and correct, but Mm -hmm. they're like, they don't want to bum out the other kids. It's that yeah, it's this like is they ugly. all have to navigate Daria because right. they're like, okay, she's the one kid who's going to get out of here and maybe Jane. Right. And we don't want to discourage them, but we also don't want But we want need to manipulate them. To them. Make, yeah. Right. Because we don't, we want all of the other kids to continue to be kind of blissful and content. And yes. If they do this, it's going to mess the it's whole gonna, dynamic. Yeah, up. we don't, it's bad enough that we have two students who think critically about things. We don't need any more. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, we don't need the vibes to go down. And yeah, right. Helen, who I love, objectively, she would have sided with the teachers You'd if think. they had, like, talked her into it. Right. Whereas the fact that they did it without Daria's permission, she's like, okay. She's like, wait, oh, I'm no. a lawyer. Oh, no. So let me yes. get this straight. Yeah, you took my daughter's painting without her permission, entered it without her consent, and defaced it. <laughs> and now you claim she stole her own artwork, which you admit to stealing? Yeah. She absolutely just pantses uh, Ms. Lee. Right. Who is like honestly yeah. like of the administrators? I think Miss Miss Lee, um, is might be my favorite, and I just love every time she says, "Lawndale High." Like she just right. sees her job and her just, school. Right. She's trying to talk herself into like the nobleness of the teaching profession of like I've made it right. to the peak of this noble profession. When in reality, she's it's what like, Peggy Hill thinks she is. Right. Like, Peggy Hill, if she got past substitute teaching. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, that's such a good comparison. Right. But, like, what... Like, my second favorite episode is actually Jake of Hearts. 
And I really? think interesting. Yes, it's I've always loved that episode where um Daria's father like has a heart attack, has like a minor heart attack. He's hospitalized. And um it just like I I I think it always appealed to me because I think everyone takes for granted how stressful like being a teenager actually is. Mm. And I really love this dynamic of um of of teens like i i don't think when people interact with teens they really fully grasp because i don't think teens necessarily fully grasp how much they have going on at home and like right. i i think people falsely consider children in general to be like resilient i hear that word used a lot of like oh children bounce back they 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 cope well with you know with things going on in in their life they they're they're resilient they learn to like bounce back from whatever's happening to them and so and the reality is they absorb all that as kinetic energy and right. you'll probably be dead before all of it blasts out and exactly in front of them exactly and so she finally you know it something is was cathartic to me to watch like her interact with these two radio hosts um, <laughs> where, where she talks about like, well, my father was hospitalized and here I am having to like, I come to school every day to be bombarded by you two idiots. Um, and yes, I, Daria Morgendorfer am mental in the morning. <laughs> Thanks for asking. And they get so devastated. They just pack up and leave. Right. They, they leave on the spot. <laughs> right. It's like any of the teachers would at least consider doing this, but no, they're right. Like, they're locked in. These guys can just yeet out of here. Right, um, exactly. What? That's interesting. What are some of your other favorite? I mean, I guess this whole list are some of your favorite episodes. Um, I was going to say, you know, I've always had a deep connection to Jody. She... Yes. Uh, Jody is, is an important character. Um, they're not, you know, Jody and Mac are not the only are not the only black students at Lawndale, mm. but they're the only ones who get to speak. And the show is very, like, honest and intentional uh, about that dynamic and about the nature of, of like, the myth of black excellence. Of, mm. you know, it's not, like, if you're going to be the only black people in a space, the sort of only acceptable version of that is to be exceptional in, in everything right. that you do and and celebrate it if you're for, not the best you're effectively an npc if you're, yeah if you're not the best then you are a part of the problem like and th- those mm. are the only two options that you get to fall in as black youth and that um you can see that sort of bleeding into their parents when like jody gets these episodes with her 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 mother and father who are terrible gen xers oh my gosh <laughs> yes i again when I talk well-observed, they are perhaps the most well-observed characters in this entire show in terms of just so specific and so... So like, specific. You didn't think you would see a character like this in a show. Yes. But they are the exact kind of person you've met in your real life. I love when, like, even the moments when they're interacting with Helen and Jake, and even they can't really, like, relate to them. Right. Like, they're, they're even finding... they're all in the same social class. They're all in the same social class. They're all, like, sort of, like, out of touch. And yet, somehow, like, they just cannot, like... Like, everything she says, Helen says to Jody's mother is just wrong. Like, around every corner. Like, it is it is just almost impossible to talk to these two. Like, they're clownish. <laughs> and right. And you can, like, understand, like, why Jody and Mac feel so pigeon-held. But then it's, like... 
the, like I would say they're more depressed than Daria is, and yet they're like achieving so much. They're they're homecoming king and queen. They're yeah. like you know they're going to these big schools. Like after they're <laughs> they're getting considered for gifted programs. Like, and they are certainly like more depressed <laughs> than Daria and yes. Jane are. Yeah, I like I know you've talked you've talked to me about Jody before as a character and like. That the episode gifted, where it's Daria and Jody are both kind of getting looked at for this gifted school um, mm-hmm. across town, and yeah, they're all there. And in terms of well observed, this episode is one of the like most on point for me. Mm. Um, one of the kids they're talking to is like, and at my old school, they would look at you weird for reading Anne Rand. And Jody just tries to quietly go, actually, I think a lot of her beliefs were really messed up. It's like, that's not the point. They just talk over her. And she's like, yeah, actually. Okay. Um, yeah. Or like Jody's father going on this rant about like the welfare state where I'm like, God, this is so well observed. Like, yes. It, it rem- just reminded me of a discussion we have with King of the Hill where it's like, okay, how did the 2016 election go in Arlen? And right. it's like, the only people who absolutely voted for Trump were the Supanusin phones because they are this, oh, like, yes. very specific era of, like, oh, we are the first of our generation to make it and we are promptly yeah, kicking the ladder Yeah, we're better than back. those other ones. Yeah. Yes. yes, we will promptly kick the ladder down so we can blend in better, even though we yes. never actually will. absolutely. Um, and the line that is gutting, like, like gutting a fish is they mention, like, they're like, what is the percentage of, like, um kids from the school who get into college and it's like 90%. What about the other 10%? Uh, most of them take some time off, you know, they just need a little break from grades and competition and sometimes eating and dressing themselves. And it's like, (laughs) wow. Right. And it's just, again, well, if there's one buzzword from this episode, it is well-observed. And it's like, they were talking about like the mental deterioration of gifted kids, like decades before that became like common discourse. Exactly. And in general, like you're right. They are more depressed than everyone else. Cause it's like, they have this extra hurdle they have to get over and they don't have the luxury of being nihilist. Cause if they're nihilists, they'll just get like, yeah, you'll just get like, you know, you'll be considered like a failure of the system or whatever. Exactly. You know, I think. And I do appreciate that a couple episodes, you know, Daria does get called out on that by Jody. Yes. I love that. Like of the few characters that get to call like Daria out, it's, it's all, it's almost always Jody who's always like, excuse me. Like, don't talk to me about, like, this being unfair or, like, or uh, things being weird around here. Like, you don't even know the beginning of it. Right. Yeah. And in the Daria the Musical episode, I do love that uh, Jody's subplot is effectively, like, imagining a world where, um, like, Jody and Max kind of just imagining a world where, like, the town gets destroyed (laughs) and, like, basically they're, like, in power. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, um, because that's what I was going to cite as one of my favorite episodes. I do Daria, like the, Daria the, musical? the musical episode. Or I was going to Gifted, but then also oh. Daria the Musical. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you really did pick a, like, who's who of, like, the best episodes. I really do feel like you did a great job of curation here. Oh, yeah. What about, um, did you like Fair Enough? Did you like the, the Renaissance Fair episode? I kind of picked that one out for yes. you. <laughs> I, I really appreciated that one. Yeah. Uh, that one tickled me in specific. Yeah. Which is funny because King of the Hill also has a Ren Fair episode. It's very funny that they like, oh. but then again, Texas actually does have a huge Ren Fair culture, if you can believe it, because they basically oh. get to dominate the winter and um, like, oh. autumn seasons. 
That like makes once sense. it gets too cold up here, all the people who perform at all of these just head south. Nice. They migrate south for the winter? Yes. Oh, no. It's a whole culture. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking wild, man. Um, but, yeah. And honestly, that, like, I also just love anytime Daria and Jane get the tiniest bit of power, they just, like, drive people, cr- well, not drive people crazy, but they just go on, like, monologues and, like. <laughs> yes. They're just They're hard about, to talk like, to, rock. especially Jane. Like, I think Jane, um, oh my God, wait, we, we got to talk about the Lane family. So, Like, right. boy, do you want to talk about the 90s? I mean, Jane and her siblings are essentially feral, kind of being raised yes. by themselves, <laughs> like raising each other. Right. Sort of, The only time of. you see Jane's mom is a POV shot of her working on arts and crafts. <laughs> it's like she's blasting, like, music. Yeah, it's like her, like, the, talk about, like, free-range parenting that kind of started in the 90s. Like, it's, it's, it's the Lane family. A family of, like, I guess you could call them, like, hippies, but not even really. They're just, like, parents living their best life and not giving a shit that they have kids. Right. Right? And it's like, God, imagine that. Like, just imagine. Like, we talk about, like, God, remember what it was like being a kid back then with no cell phones and no nothing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, there's also just this this extreme of just like, oh, yeah, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out on their own. Right. And truly, like, the only reason that, like, Jane doesn't end up more like her brother Trent is because she's, like, a genuine talent. <laughs> Like, yes. she she kind of recognizes that she, like, just has a natural potential in the world to move mm. forward um, in a way that, um, what's what's Trent's band name again, even though they're constantly changing it, which is, like, the running joke, they never really, uh, mouse oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. something? Um, Spiral. I think so. Mystic yes. Spiral. Spiral. Yes, that's it. Yes, even though they're gonna, um, they're changing the name, though. <laughs> and that's, like, yeah. the running gag. I love the Mystic right. Spiral songs um they're just so good (laughs) yeah i just it really is fascinating just like again in terms of like i guess like when i keep saying well observed i think it's because like the fact that they mentioned that this could take place in like suburban philadelphia almost or like along the main line is so interesting because i'm like god this isn't that far off from what we grew up with. Like, maybe no. our high school would, like, our high school had a little more money, I guess. Like, it was a yeah. little bigger. It was one of the bigger in the area. But, like, right. in terms of energy, it really is, like, the exact same in terms yep. of, like, there's the handful of kids who have, like, the spark and are, like, considered, like, oh, they'll move on. Mm-hmm. Then there's the athletes where it's, like, well, you're good and just good enough to get into college with your athletics. You know, you're not going to go pro, but it'll get right. you an education and then you'll figure out what to do from there. Mm-hmm. And then, like, everyone else is just you know, enjoy this. Right. Just make sure you enjoy this. Right, exactly. And don't listen to Daria's because they'll talk you into not enjoying it. Right, exactly. Um, there's even, you know, that episode, The Misery Chick, um, where they kind of highlight that, like, the only time Daria ever feels, like, you know, included by the others is when they have, like, something to grieve over or something that makes them, like, think about more sad. than themselves for one second. Yeah, sad. Then they're like, gee, Sorry, I can probably relate to just being a sad person. And she absolutely hates that. Right. Exactly. And it's so weird, like, their relationship with Daria. She's just, like, it's not like they ignore her. They acknowledge her existence. They sometimes invite her. Like, one of the earliest episodes, The Invitation, oh, yeah. it's considered a good deed to invite her to a party. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, on some level, they individually like Daria. Like, there's nobody here, even Kevin and Brittany, the, like, the popular kids, like, the other mm. end of the spectrum from Daria and Jane, talk to them and like them. When they like interact them. individually, they appreciate them. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's like once the collective takes shape, like the culture of the school, you can't yeah. be caught, you know, why, why are you talking to them? Right, exactly. Yeah, the, the only group that, like, doesn't talk to them, like, would be um, the fashion club, which is its own ecosystem right. in and of itself. Can we break down the fashion club for one minute? The fashion club. Any, anytime obsessed. they do the politics of the fashion club, where, like, two people bought the same dress and then one of them gets suspended for not respecting the other's fashion choices. Yeah, they get put on, like, probation. Um it's the fashion club. We need to break this down. Like it, this deserves its own little segment here. Um, of like, wow, want to talk about like politics? Like, <laughs> we have Quinn. You know, Daria's younger sister, um, who is the epitome of just like a natural everything. Like she's got the natural it so much so that like even right. Quinn's own friends can't really stand it. Right. She, yeah, she, they're, they're on some level she her, en- her enemies. peaking in high school. Yes, exactly. And you're right. Like, Quinn will be one of those people that just ends up being, like, she turned out okay. You know? Like, yeah. she never had any problems. Not great, but she's fine. Yeah. And if could you're she okay be happier? That, that's great. Yeah. Could she have been happier and been doing something more meaningful with herself? Absolutely. But you know what? She's going to marry a nice, handsome young man, have a couple kids, and live her life. <laughs> And, you know, live till she's 80 and just be generally Join happy. an MLM, like, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference between a Quinn and a Daria. A Daria has seen the scope of the world and doesn't know, like, can't settle right. like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, her best friend slash worst enemy, Sandy, um, who Sandy. you have to appreciate, like, is Sandy is the president of the fashion club, which, like, you kind of, you have to do the Sandy voice. It's, like, the 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 fashion club members are somehow the most cartoonish. Like, right. all of them are f- for, it's so interesting that, like, for a group that's supposed to represent, like, the status quo and, like, being popular and fitting in, they couldn't be more different from one another. Right. They all kind of hate each other. They, they, yeah, they the only have, thing they have in common is they all talk in a way that's very 90s and very, yeah. Like, there's three cells that are active right. in, in this brain. And they, if one, and if there's a fourth one, there's going to be a blowout and it's going to be ugly. Right, exactly. Um, you know, I think my favorite part of the fashion club is that Tiffany is um, inadvertently the smartest one who just knows right. that, like, whatever you do, agree with the person who's in front of you. <laughs> Right. And she does like, it so well. There's some social awareness. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, I appreciate that one of the first episodes you had me watch was Too Cute, where they're all getting nose jobs, which is such a 90s thing. I can't remember the last time I heard someone getting a nose job. Or that's even because just in pe- general. That's because it's become so common that it's not talk-worthy anymore. Right. I guess that is it, because that's like a discourse with Hollywood in general, where it's like, man, how does everyone stay so young? And it's like plastic like, surgery. Uh, the only re- You only notice the people who have had plastic surgery, right. because that stands out. Exactly. Everyone else had good plastic surgery, or their right. bodies took to it. But I love the idea that they all have a nose blowout, where it just can't yes. like... But it's like, wait, I, I love the fact that like coming to school with your nose wrapped up like is an accessory in and of itself. 
Like, it's right. part of the status quo to, like, show up at school recovering from your surgery. Like, everybody's been to this one doctor across town. Right. Um, believe this it or shady not, mall doctor. Right. That was the first episode of Daria I had ever seen Ever. Really? Like, when I was back, I was probably, like, I was certainly too young to be watching I think I feel like I was in, like, late elementary school. And I happened to just, like, catch it on MTV. Like, in, like, the mid-2000s, they were still airing these episodes. And it was, like, the, like, weirdly enough, it was the part where, like, um, j- like they're playing with that, like, fake, like, breast, ins- like, implant right. that they have. Like, they have, like, a sample Right. I the, just remember the that. That's doctor all I is remember. like, Daria, I'm going to let you have I want these. you to take we'll this. Put everything into perspective. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, that like, it, that that is like a very, very 90s episode. Talk about like a time capsule. Right. Yes. And just, especially because it's like, you think of that whole 90s mall culture. And it's like, you go to Claire's to get your ears pierced. So those things are definitely infected. Your ear yep. is going to be on fire for a month. Mm-hmm. You're going to some shady ass plastic surgeon. That is not going to take, you are going to be a met all the college. Like all the fat is going to leave your front lip, top lip and go to your bottom lip. Right. Like, God, the things we did to ourselves after, you know, when we didn't have the Soviets to be angry about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I also would be remiss. You know what I, you know why I think so much of this works too? It is specifically the art style. And for Mm. me, like, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but the art style for me is very much like newspaper comic strip. Oh, yes. In terms of like very thick lines, Mm -hmm. very caricaturized proportions, but clean. It's not like Beavis and Butthead where it's very pencil-y and like Mm -hmm. angry, like notebook Scratchy, yeah. Yeah, this is like, you know, this is inked and professionally done. The colors are all like, there's not a lot of shading. It's all really like static primary colors and Mm -hmm. like strong color choices compared to King of the Hills, like sort of more watercolor vibe that it had for the earlier seasons. Mm. Um, And I think that work, it almost, this is going to sound insane, but it almost has like a Garfield energy or like observational comic where it's like the character that no one listens to or they can't understand Mm, yeah, mm, but sucks. Oh, like it was canceled yeah <laughs> yeah well no it, well it was never good but also he's right. not a good person but we don't talk um, about it anymore yeah same same direction but like what if it was good right yeah exactly but yeah like where it's like every scene is under like the punchline to so many like sequences like strips is just daria making an astute comment or like making a pun or punchline right right I didn't have you watch the movies because there were there were two movies. I couldn't find them. There, yeah, you have to purchase them, and I think they're kind of only on YouTube, like to purchase. Um, Which is weird. I know. I read because when I was reading and researching this, I knew there was one where she graduates, and there was another. Yes, one. right. Um, there's and and that one has my absolute favorite quote because I, she, I think she, well, I think Jody's valedictorian, but like. For whatever reason, she's, like, asked to make a speech at graduation. Mm. And um, she says, like, one of my favorite quotes that's along the line. Oh, wait. No, hold on. Wait. I have to actually. I I know what you're referencing because I did read just a general synopsis of it, but you should read the quote. I also do think it's worth noting they talked about doing a Daria reboot, but instead pivoted to a Jody thing, which I feel just makes more sense for today's, like, day and age. Which is, like. I feel like there's more to say there. Right. There's there's more to say there, but, like, the last time this was talked about was, like, over two years ago now. And I'm starting mm. to get to the point where, like, do y'all actually want to do this? Yeah. Um, Like, in general, an interesting point someone made about, like, the whole beefs and butthead Daria thing is, like, 
the problem is even the dumbest high schooler now, because they have the access to the internet, like kind of knows how big the world is and kind of knows what's going on. And like, it's way harder to be like in a cloistered suburban bubble when it's like, you know, at any given time you can come into class being like, oh, I just saw this natural disaster on my right. phone. Yeah. In between classes. Like it's kind of harder to sell this specific era of like high schooler. Right. Um, like we were the tail end of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I found the graduation speech and it's like, um, <laughs> it's it's it almost sums up like it, it is the perfect punctuation to the entire series this is this is um in a film it's called is it college yet and this is them yes. like winding down their senior year they are making their college decisions and they're about to like leave Londell permanently so this is her graduation speech she says um thank you i'm not much for public speaking or much for speaking or come to think of it much for the public and I'm not very good at lying. So let me just say that in my experience, high school sucks. If I had to do it all over again, I'd have started advanced placement classes in preschool so I could finish from eighth grade straight to college. However, given the unalterable fact that high school sucks, I'd like to add that if you're lucky enough to have a good friend and a family that cares, it doesn't have to suck quite as much. Otherwise, my advice is stand firm for what you believe in. Until and unless logic and experience prove you wrong. Remember that when the emperor looks naked, the emperor is naked. The truth and a lie are not sort of the same thing. And there is no aspect, no facet, no moment of life that cannot be improved with pizza. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. Kind of says everything you need to know about Dari as a character and as a show. Exactly. I, I, I That always stuck with me. The well, obviously the pizza bit is perfect, but like the truth and a lie are not sort of the same thing. And I guess that that gets at like you know what I was kind of talking about with with the Jake of Hearts episode of people kind of taking for granted how smart teenagers can be, what they are mm. capable of thinking about on their own. Right, and just in general, like that's what I was talking about with the phone thing. It's like you know, so many kids get treated, you know, so much of like growing up in middle school and high school, especially in like suburban areas like this, is being kind of lied to and told like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And now the world is more Darius because we have access to phones and stuff. And it's like emphatically, we're not, you can't guarantee that. Right. Uh, you know, we now know a lie and the truth are not kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I guess that's why, like, I don't know, this is, it's simultaneous, uh, like, like a lot of, like, much like Brandy Cinderella, it's simultaneously a time capsule to a very specific period of media, uh, pop culture and culture in general, but at the same time, it is timeless, because, right. like, you know, we still have high schoolers, we still have these social dynamics, yeah. and we still have, like, you know, everyone ends up getting, is on the line between a Quinn and a Darius still. Exactly. Even if they're slightly more Darius. Right, right. And more, uh... Tyler Durden, is that the guy from Fight Club? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God, indeed. And until we're celebrating our 10th year friendship anniversary at Landale High High School, or what is it? Damn it. Lawndale. Lawndale High. Okay, let me do that again. And until we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of our friendship at Landale High, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. Nice. I corrected you and you still said it wrong. <laughs>
God damn it. I do that a lot. <laughs> the Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash DisneyDesk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you. I also hope uh, I also hope I don't get a phone call in the middle of this that's like, "Hey, what with the government? Is this kid cool?" Because he's like, working "Do you like him?" Stuff. Goodness, I did not yeah, think that would take that long. For a minute. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm talking a little slower than I usually do. I don't know if that's part of it. I think the wicked like I was like I feel like we're in a wicked episode right now. <laughs> like like did we start a wicked episode and I did not get the memo. I was not expecting yeah. a full okay. Anyway, say hi to um, Kiwi. You're going to get a lot of uh, purring in this audio, so sorry about that. Okay. No, that's all right. I know your, your cats Could be worse. go by the beat of their own drum. Right, exactly. All right. All right. Uh, you can kick us off. Great.